Once upon a time, Taylor Swift's music was a parent's dream. Mostly innocent, wistful, idealistic, and relatively free of suggestive lyrics. Then, like so many teen idols before her, she grew up. And things got a lot more complicated. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us. Taylor Swift is back with an album called Folklore that came out of nowhere less than a year since her last release. In typical Taylor fashion, her eighth studio album garnered millions of streams and sales in its first several weeks of release, dominating the music marketplace as only she can these days. Folklore is a mature album in both good ways and maybe some not so good. And that begs the question of how we can help our kids navigate the conundrums that come when formerly innocent teen stars inevitably leave that innocence behind, which happens more often than not. Joining me for today's conversation are... Kristen Smith. Bob Hoos. And Jonathan McKee. All right. Well, what musician would people be surprised to find out that you listened to as a kid? I don't necessarily know if people would be surprised. Maybe. I'm not really sure, but... I really loved John Mayer. Um, I had a very hardcore emo phase. So, you know, Simple Plan, all those people lumped in Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. <laughs> right. <laughs> like just that whole thing. Um, My Chemical Romance. Yeah, a little, a little. Um, and probably like Mumford and Sons. I don't know if that's surprising, but, you know, that's who I liked. All right. Well, for me, I, I mean... Miley Cyrus was big when I was a kid. And, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised about anything that I've listened to. But, um, but I think when I was a teen, they would have been surprised that I was a huge Bing Crosby fan. I mean, wow. Bing Crosby certainly was not a part of my generation. It was several generations before. But, right. but there was something about his smooth crooning uh-huh. that I really, I really enjoyed. Solid yeah. choice. He was smooth, man. He was very smooth. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm probably going to be different than I'm both those. Um, I went to a school that had a big urban influence. And so at my school, everything was all about how big your speakers were and how much bass you had. <laughs> and I grew up... I grew up in the hip hop era, nice. and so uh, I'm talking like the original stuff that came out. And in the late '80s, there was a group that came out that was so just—I mean, debatable—and they made everybody's jaw dropped. And they had the most fantastic beats ever. They were called N.W.A. <laughs> and when I first listened to them, I thought these guys are so foul. But I love those yeah, And they were. So, <laughs> you and that's were. actually right. <laughs> and, and I was one of those kids who's all, but I just listened to the beat. And, but my language proved that I wasn't listening to just the beat. Right. Uh, but yeah, I went through an NWA uh, phase. So you could ask me any question about them and I'll tell you. Mm. That's awesome. Well, I have talked at length about my teenage musical predilections, which mostly involved spandex and aquanet and leather and wailing guitars but before that oh my goodness before <laughs> that um my dad was a huge neil diamond fan <laughs> and i became as a kid like eight nine yeah i i went through my early neil diamond phase and i think it was 1980 the jazz singer came out mm-hmm. and some of you oh, yeah. will remember yeah. that some of you were not even close to born, but that's okay. <laughs> 
And and Neil Diamond had a song called Love on the Rocks. Love on the Rocks ain't no big surprise. Just pour me a drink and I'll tell you my lies. So I was 10. <laughs> and I yeah. and I already identified as a 10-year-old as someone who had been jilted and lost at love in love. And I would sing that song over and over and over <laughs> again with as much gravitas as my 10-year-old soul could muster. You know, I, I don't think we as parents um, recognize how much we influence our kids' choices totally. in music. I mean, you know, we think, oh, oh yeah. the kids nowadays, they just got their own thing. <laughs> but, the, but the fact is that, uh, like, I was a real big Beatles fan, and I raised my kids on Beatles, and, and they... Okay, these are. I hope they had something else to eat besides just Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are these are young people now who have their own music choices and things like that, but they all love the Beatles. That's yeah. kind of special. I was in Jonathan's boat sort of for a while. Like I moved from the country to the inner city, and so while I had that must my... have been confusing. Yeah, right. <laughs> while I had my emo phase and all that, I did step into not NWA, but um, like Snoop Dogg. No, like Nelly, things like that. Like oh, yeah. I had, I had a, you know, a healthy dose of your, everything. Your, your parents <laughs> led you in that direction. <laughs> to be fair, actually, my mom likes current music more than I do. So I'll kind of like go back to the roots, if you will. But she, she like loves all the new stuff. So it's very mm. interesting. And that well, is cool. Well, I think that it's interesting cool. how, as families and as parents, are our musical interests do begin to shape our kids' musical choices. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then our kids discover stuff on their own. Sure. And I think that, that um, we have a chance to, to shape and influence and, and set boundaries on. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the way some of those things happen. But yeah. obviously we have this phenomena in our culture of, of the teen idol. And I mean, it goes back a long ways. It goes back to what the late sixties, at least, you know, with, mm-hmm. um, give me an example Bob, from the late sixties. <laughs> oh Thank you Presley. very much, Adam. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean like the Partridge family. I was trying to think of particular names. Sure. Um, you the know, Partridge family. <laughs> no, but the, You're fired. those guys no. in that, in the, in that band, in that band, in, back in the sixties. Yeah. You know, uh, or Leaf Garrett in the seventies. I mean, you can go through each era from Sean really, Cassidy, you know, Sean Cassidy on through the eighties and nineties and today, and each era, you know, has its own analog of, you know, this was really, uh, the person that teens looked up to, sure. um, and that they identified with. But as we have come into, you know, this millennium, Things have gotten more complicated uh, because those those artists often grow up in ways that we as parents get frustrated with the messages changing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to use Taylor Swift as a jumping off point because sure. I think she's a great example of this. Yeah. Kristen, you reviewed Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore, for Plugged In. And in your review, you used the word mature several times. And that seems to be an accurate descriptor really in a couple of different ways. So for parents out there with younger Taylor Swift fans, what are the highs and lows on folklore that they need to be aware of? Well, I <laughs> I like Taylor Swift, so, you know, let's just take that I'm, in stride. I'm glad we got that out yeah. of the way. <laughs> I mean, but there are obviously there are problems. I don't like everything she does. So just because, you know, you say you like an artist doesn't mean that you like everything that they do. And so some of the positives on this album, it's not as revengey 
as reputation. Um, it's not as cynical. I like that adjective. Yeah, revenge cynical. It's really not. She's really taken this. Um, it almost feels like she's just kind of sitting here and she's ready cr- to create some music that she's really felt. And not because she wanted to fit into a stereotype, which is kind of how I felt like re- like reputation felt. I need to become this person that everyone thinks I am. Taylor just kind of made this album that is really honest. And so a lot of really good things that you can find. I mean, she talks about themes of growth and commitment and self-acceptance and, and some of these things that she's sort of developed over time. Now, there are plenty of issues here. And so for the first time, Taylor has used the F word like multiple times. Um, in some of her songs and other, like she uses other profanity as well. Um, like most Taylor songs, you'll find references to toxic relationships, revenge, um, sex, things like that. Like she talks about all these things. And so, I mean, that's, you know, you don't want your five-year-old listening to it. Probably not. So, you know, you were saying, here's what it felt like to you. Mm -hmm. This album to me felt like. Taylor Swift took a bottle of wine and her guitar, went into the <laughs> piano room, and, and decided to get melancholy. Mm. You know, cause, because it, it really does focus a lot on lost loves mm-hmm. and the pain that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't bother me as much as the worldview that she sort of creates with this album. And I think, in my opinion, that's the biggest stumbling mm. block that, that discerning parents will be looking at and saying, do I want my kid to be immersed in this world? Because she creates this world that is uh, made up of, you know, being twisted in the sheets with a bottle of wine, which mm-hmm. is actually a lyric right from one of the songs. It creates this world and suggests to kids listening that this is the norm, hmm. that that you go through life and you have these love affairs and then you fail and you f- and you suffer the pain of that, and hopefully you grow from that. Yeah. But, but to me, it f- that f- that worldview felt felt negative enough that I don't know as a parent if I would want my kid immersed in listening to these songs over and over and over and over and, and accepting that well, that's the way it is. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that's the tough thing about when when especially these you know artists who are big role models for young kids we saw it happen with miley cyrus you mm-hmm. know you have this huge following of young kids of course miley of course had the tv show as well and so you've got like eight-year-old girls and 10-year-old girls and and let's be honest even young boys i mean a lot of people follow it and so when miley went on her let's be nice journey um, you know <laughs> of, of of self-discovery in so many ways um you know she you know, didn't stop to think that, hey, you know what, um, I, I'm actually a leader, whether I, I want to be or not, I'm a leader. I'm a leader of literally millions of, not teens, children. Mm-hmm. And now I'm taking them on this journey and my actions matter. And that's the thing. I mean, Taylor, both my girls grew up on Taylor because uh, they're pretty much Kristen's age. And uh, <laughs> they and they loved her. Yeah. And, and she was you know, she had some good stuff. I mean, I can't tell you how many times on road trips when we do, you know, family road trips and we like make a playlist, man, I've listened Taylor. to so much Taylor. I have listened <laughs> to so much Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, because, and she was one of those kind of like, 
Uh, you know, I mean, maybe at times a little bit, you know, uh, it was it was funny. She definitely she seemed angry at times. But other than that, I mean, she was pretty much, you know, a clean option. And so now that she's deciding to go on this journey, I think some people could say, well, hey, you know, this is good. She should be. And Kristen used the word honest. It's OK to be honest. But the thing that I think that so many, you know, role models don't think about is and you'll actually hear like Bruno Mars once said, I'm not a role model. I'm an effing musician. And he was wrong there because what he doesn't realize is you are a role model when you step into the limelight. People are watching you. And this is what, you know, a lot of people need to realize that every one of their decisions are being watched by millions. I have so many thoughts. Yeah, about, I guess, all of this. Maybe you have questions to lead (laughs) us in the right direction. But just go. I mean, I think when it comes to this role model status, it is true. Um, I was I'm, I listened to all of folklore. As soon as it came out, I just went on a drive and listened to the whole album. Um, but there were a lot of songs that, unfortunately, like I'm not going to let my son listen to because of the language that she uses and the illusions and things like that. But I think as someone who Taylor's in their 30s now, right, she's she's started to grow up and, and have this different life. And yes, kids have followed her. And yes, this is very problematic if you have a young girl who um, who looks to Taylor and kind of idolizes her. But it's not to say that some of her earlier stuff where she was like boy crazy and every song was about a relationship still. <laughs> I mean, we really have to think about that. Like, is that still an issue too for your young girl growing up who who just kind of like idolizes love and everything is about love and liking somebody? And so, yes, she has become more mature, but she also has life experiences. And to Hoos's point, I think about a lot of my own personal experiences at some point when my kids are much older, if they ask, we'll talk about some of this stuff. I did not have a really clean past. I just didn't. And so these are all really good things to break down. And I don't know how much we can expect from a secular artist coming in and singing about their life experiences. Like, I mean, I just don't know what else we're expecting. No, of no, them. no. I, I'm not suggesting that we should have greater expectations for Taylor Swift, yeah. but we should have greater expectations for the kids in our family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think we should be very careful who our kids' role models are because nowadays, too, uh, artists are so much more powerful because, you know, uh, when Hoos and Adam and I were kids and you listen to somebody, and you Writing could. stegosauruses <laughs> to school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, a, you know, Adam has told us on this podcast so many times our listeners would attest to how many times he's listened to, you know, his favorite Bon Jovi album over and over again. But the difference back then was we didn't jump on, you know, insta and watch bon jovi every day give us advice through the little screen and so it's like today you know everybody follows every moment of of their star every fleeting thought and these role models are very you know have very powerful influence and we just you know as believers we really need to you know Make sure that our kids have good role models in their lives, hopefully positive coaches and youth pastors and Mm. mom and dad and uncle and different people in their lives who are living godly lives rather than their main role model being someone who's pretty much trying to figure it out on their own. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. You know, there are so many threads here in this conversation that that I love. I just Mm -hmm. want to make some observations. I think sometimes when we when we talk about content. Um, we talk about it in a very concrete and finite way. And Mm -hmm. so we sort of started out by saying, 
you know, Taylor Swift's using some harsh profanity for the first time. And for a lot of parents, if you're if you're listening casually and you're not thinking about the lyrics or your kids are listening, that will be the thing that will come screaming out at you. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not going to listen to that because it has that word. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's right. I mean, I think that we do want to have high standards as as believers in terms of the kinds of language that our kids are engaging with. And then we go a step further and we're talking about some of the sexual uh, illusions that are there. Uh, I love what Bob had to say just about worldview. And I think that's a step that we sometimes don't take when talking about this is it's not just that there's content. It's the question of what is this person's overarching perspective on, on life, on what's important, on what matters. And Taylor certainly has a worldview and, and I love Kristen, what you said about how it's easy to kind of um, romanticize the earlier stuff because it's just this sort of light bubbly, you know, doesn't have a lot of sexually explicit stuff, doesn't have profanity, but you're asking a question about the worldview too. Do we really want our young daughters engaging in something that is constantly communicating? The only thing that matters is romance. And so I want to tie that together and say, our kids are on a journey too. And Jonathan, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I love what you were talking about with Miley's journey. Um, And so our job is to step in with them and sort of assess where on the journey are they in terms of their ability to think through and process this stuff. Um, And, and then, you know, when somebody's journey takes a severe U-turn or left turn, you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I just think boundaries are so necessary. I think setting up conversation like you were talking about, really talking to our kids and seeing where they are um, needs to be a continual thing. It's not like a quick conversation. Oh, you're good. Like, let's move on to the next thing. Um, Because I I know my husband, he grew up in a family where they weren't allowed to listen to anything. Everything was like evil unless it was like, is it it the Gaithers? I never really listened to them. Yeah, okay, right. (laughs) Unless it was them, right? Okay, so... But I kind of had a different experience. I was allowed to listen to different music. And so he he kind of rebelled. He went the opposite way. He wanted to listen to everything then. And so I think when you create this thing that says everything is bad and we're not, we're not digging in, which is why I love when we review this stuff, we talk about what is good in this and what is bad in this. And let's really talk about what's going on. And give parents the freedom Absolutely. Right, to talk it's about your whether choice. this is appropriate for mm-hmm. their kids or not. Well, and I think it's so key what you said, Kristen, is, you know, you, you can't parent with just boundaries. As a matter of fact, probably yeah. the founding parenting passage in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6, when he talks about raising our kids, he says, hey, you know, uh, you know, talk with your kids about this stuff. And he's talking about what God did for us. So share God's story with them. And then he gets very specific as you get up. As you walk along the road, as you go to bed at night Mm -hmm. and everything you're doing and everything you think about. So, you know, he's talking about this, this, as their kids are going on this journey, you're having this conversation with them and talking about how great God is and what he's done and Mm -hmm. look what he did in the past and look how much he came through for us when, when we thought we were dead and all of a sudden here comes God and here's what he did. And, And this is an ongoing conversation day after day. And I think as parents, the one thing we all need to think is, am I having these conversations? Mm. Am I the one talking with my kids about this or am I leaving it up to Taylor or NWA or, you know, Bon Jovi to raise our kids? Right. And and I think 
to both yours and Kristen's point, um, the great thing about a a plugged-in review is it's designed to give parents some tools that they can use, some information, so that they don't have to necessarily, like with a Taylor Swift album, they don't have to go and study the album to make sure that this content or that content's Mm -hmm. in there. They can go to Kristen's review, and they can get a pretty good thumbnail idea of what what they're going to encounter in there, and then what they, they can talk to their kids about, because I think that is the thing that you guys have said that's really key here, is it's not about locking kids out or locking right. them in their room. It's about having those conversations. It's about understanding and communicating and talking about your life too. Yeah, I think to come back to this, because I know I have to remember this for myself, what's the loudest voice in your life, right? Mm. Like, is it the word of well God? Said. Is it the Lord? Is it me daily renewing my mind? All these things that we as parents, we want to be better parents. How do we be better parents? Well, Jesus, help us be better parents, right? And so as we renew our minds, we're teaching our kids to do the same thing. And so I think with anything, no matter what it is, if that's the only thing that they hear, whatever that might be, it could be problematic Mm -hmm. if we're not speaking into that as well and letting the Lord do that. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Kristen. And I think, um, I think sometimes we are wanting, uh, an easy sort of binary. Yes, no, absolutely. Or a one size fits all, kind of answer. And and one of the reasons, as Bob was saying, we structure our reviews the way that we do is so that you can see that usually it's not a, a you know, a slam dunk binary. You know, right. occasionally there's stuff that's so bad that there's nothing redemptive there at all. Uh, but most of the time, as with Taylor, uh, we've got a mix of things. And so it becomes a question of, you know, are my kids at a level of maturity where they can even think about that, you know, and maybe for a, a, an 11 or 12 year old, the answer is absolutely not. But a 16 or 17 year old is going to be at a different developmental place where you're giving them some freedom to begin making their own choices. Um, and, and then we want to be there to continue to guide that process without, you know, absolutely putting the rails on it. I like that. It's amazing how much, uh, lyrics do affect us and, and the research is all out there. Uh, I once was at this conference where I was about ready to teach uh, youth workers about the effects of lyrics on young people. So I was going through the research and one of the things I did is I would show them various songs that were popular at the time. And I was sitting there and I was, I was listening to all this stuff and writing down lyrics and this and that. And I just, I, in all honesty, I'm just, just confessing. I mean, I, here I am, this grown adult, this is my job. And as I was immersed in all this stuff, my heart just hurt. I literally, I, I just felt like, because it was all this stuff that was pretty much live for now, who cares about anything else, you know, go for it, let go, you know. And um, as I wrapped up my presentation, and I'm, I'm prepping, I'm about ready to go and present this stuff, I had about 10 minutes left, and I just turned all that stuff off, and I clicked on my favorite Christian playlist and the casting crown song the voice of truth came on Hmm. and i started weeping Hmm. i literally just started crying 
when I heard the words, the voice of truth. And, and just when you hear that song and listen to it, it's so powerful. And it was such a contrast where I was listening to these other voices that were like, hey, go for it. Who cares? Don't worry about it. And basically, you know, it, you know, a bunch of lies. And then all of a sudden I just heard so clearly, you know, what it's like when you live this life listening to God's word. And I, I just can't say it better. And Kristen just said it. What is the loudest voice in your life? So well said, Kristen. Well, and that seems like a, a great place to sort of begin to bring things in for a landing here mm-hmm. today. Uh, I think that we're always going to have artists like Taylor Swift. There's always going to be some young up and coming person who maybe starts out in a, a relatively innocent place and at some point takes a left turn. And at that point, our job as parents is to be present and to be engaged enough right. to understand what has happened and to be able to walk with our kids through that. It's not easy. It's not easy. And and sometimes our kids may not even be that interested in us being that close to their journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because music does exert a kind of influence that I'm not sure anything else in pop culture does because of that repeated exposure that mm-hmm. we've talked about, mm-hmm. this is just a, a critical place to continue to be actively and intentionally engaged uh, with our kids as they go on this journey so that we can help them. So what about you and your family? How have you seen music's influence at work? Maybe in your life, maybe in the lives of your children. Shoot us an email at team at the pluggedinshow.com to tell us your story. And we'd love for you to leave a review or a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts as well. And if you enjoyed our discussion of Taylor Swift's music today, you'll find information about Kristen's review in the episode notes. And be sure to check out Plugged In's music section. Each week, we look at one of the biggest, most buzzworthy artists around and give you everything you need to know about that artist's lyrical content and how it might or might not be appropriate for your family. Thanks so much for listening today. As always, we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Oh, 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 oh